Kubernetes community, and welcome to another episode of the PodCTL podcast. We're, we're glad to have you today. We have uh, two very exciting guests on to talk about something that I think is uh, is uh, super interesting in the, you know, kind of container runtime space, which, you know, we, we end up talking a lot about, you know, the orchestration layer going a little bit deeper there. There's there's some interesting developments in the community that we're going to get to talk to some smart folks about. So, uh, Brian, what are, we, uh, what are we doing today? Yeah, so, you know, one of the things that we, we did here recently was we asked the audience, we said, hey, what do you guys want to hear about? And obviously, I think the folks listening to the show want to hear about new technologies, what's changing, what's evolving. And one of the big things they asked for was uh, some discussions around CRIO, or at least expanding the discussions around CRIO. So we decided that uh, that would be a great topic. And we wanted to go out and find people that uh, were not only super knowledgeable about this, but are building the technologies as well. So very excited to have both Dan Walsh, uh, consulting engineer from uh, from Red Hat and uh, sort of Mr. SE Linux, as well as uh, Munral Patel, who is one of the key core uh, contributors to CRIO, as well as being an OCI and, and Run C uh, contributor and maintainer. And uh, both guys, welcome to the show. Glad to have you on. Oh, thanks for having us. So why don't you guys, you know, both of you have been uh, heavily involved in the Linux space and the kernel space for quite a while. But for anybody who doesn't know either one of you, why don't you give us a quick uh, brief introduction as to, you know, a little bit of, of your background and history around working uh, around the kernel and, and around containers as well as what you're focused on today. Sure. So I started, I joined Red Hat early when we were just ramping up on OpenShift version 2 work. So we had our own version of containers before containers became popular. And then when Docker came on the scene, I started looking into that. I became an early contributor to libcontainer and uh, I became a maintainer on the project. I ended up contributing user namespace support to Go programming language and libcontainer and added a bunch of features that, that are present in libcontainer and runc today. So libcontainer eventually became runc and there was the OCI standardization process to make it uh, make it a standard. So I became a OCI runtime maintainer and worked on getting the runtime spec to 1.0. And uh, now runc is also pretty close to releasing a 1.0 version. And for the past year, I have been working on Cryo, which we'll be discussing today. Dan, what about you? Yes, yeah, so I go I go a lot further back. Um, I've been uh, you know, working in some form of Unix or Linux for about 30 some odd years now. Um, I came to Red Hat about 16 years ago. Um, uh, a lot of my experience has been around security and security, security engineering, security products. Um, so when I came to Red Hat, uh, it was about the time that the SE Linux effort was uh, kicking off back around 2001, 2002 timeframe. And during that time, I worked on, so basically for about 10 years, uh, so I worked on SE Linux. Uh, but part of what I worked on with SE Linux was actually introducing different controls and stuff into the operating system, such as the, the mount namespace, which actually showed up in RHEL 5 timeframe, which was actually added for some SE Linux features. Um, so we started, if you think about it, I've been working on containers all the way back to 2005. We actually were working on competitor product to Docker uh, for OpenShift back, and then Docker sort of exploded onto the landscape, and I uh, was assigned to basically work work with Docker and get our RHEL engineering team to help them get it to the point where it could be enterprise quality. So engineers that worked for me added things like the, uh, well, most of the file system supports the first version of Overlay, Device Mapper, which we're both required to work on top of Red Hat operating systems. And then I also added all the SC Linux support that went, in, went into um, the original version of Docker. Um, 
Well, one of the things I began to realize as we worked with Docker was that there was sort of a choke point um, in, in the development that anybody that wanted any new features to go into containers had to get it into the Docker daemon. So, so it became, uh, in my opinion, the daemon became a hindrance to people innovating in containers. And what I wanted to do was to break apart the functions of running a container, so break them into core com- components that are a small library and then allow people to sort of innovate at the low level libraries. So we started, OCI started about three years ago and that was about standardization on the image format and standardization on the runtime. As Ronald said, he's been working on run C and and the OCI specification. So we've had a lot of engineers working and in, in sort of standardizing on those efforts. But I also wanted to standardize the ability to move container images back and forth between container registries. Um, so we originally had Scopio, which was a tool that allowed you to move images back and forth yeah. around the environment. And then we eventually broke that into a separate library called Containers Image, so GitHub Containers Image, which is basically a library that allows you to move images move them from one container registry to another or from one container registry and directly into Docker or into other types of storage. And then the last step was to break out storage out of the daemons so that we could actually use container storage. Um, So all the copy and write stuff, the overlay, the device mapper, all the storage into its own library and and move the locking into the file system so that we could basically allow anybody that wants to just play with the copy and write file systems to be able to use it. And the main goal was, again, to get these core building blocks available to be able to have people, you know, innovate and build different types of containers, um, environments. But once we had those core components last year, we started looking at, you know, all right, we have the core components. How can we build other tools around? So simultaneous, basically about a, a little over a year and a half ago, CoreOS went to Kubernetes and basically wanted to get a, a patch set, basically get rocket support into Kubernetes. So if you look back at, at Kubernetes at that time, it was basically loaded with Dockerisms. So, you know, the only thing it could talk to was a Docker daemon. And Rocket and CoreOS wanted to basically add rocket support. So instead of, um, so uh, Kubernetes at that point decided that rather than you're building up the code to have all these equivalents of if-then-else statements, that they would define an interface called CRI. And at that point, I'll let Ronald take over the story. We thought, let, let's try to make something minimal and something stable that implements the CRI. And so the components were like obvious. Uh, a run C, which has kind of become like a standard for running containers, would be used for uh, launching the actual runtime. So run C has a config.json. We have a library under the open containers project to generate that config.json. So we use that. We use run C to launch the containers. And so the CRI is made up of two services. One is the runtime service and the image service. So run C and config generation uh, takes care of the runtime service. And the image service is basically responsible for pulling images and using those images to create the root file system for the containers. So we we ended up using the containers image library and the container storage library to implement the image service. So that's what Cryo is made up of. It, it, it just implements whatever is required by the CRI, and it has fewer moving pieces than the Docker daemon does. So if, you, if we go back uh, basically about a year ago when Docker was really under heavy, the Docker daemon was under heavy development, just a 
basically went around Docker 1.8, 1.9, 1.10 with every update of Docker and ended up breaking the Kubernetes workflow. So all of a sudden, Kubernetes, you know, a new version of Docker would come, people would install it, and Kubernetes would no longer work. So as a matter of fact, Kubernetes up to this point still only supports Docker 1.12. Um, and we realized that we needed a more stable platform for Kubernetes, something dedicated to Kubernetes. So instead of uh, grabbing the latest and greatest fixes for you know everybody else's orchestration level and supporting all sorts of different tools and orchestrators, we decided to build a daemon that was totally dedicated to Kubernetes. So if Kubernetes defines new interface, new ways of it wants to communicate with container runtimes, then we will implement just those. And we were actually a rule that if you make a pull request to Cryo, that you have to pass hundreds of, of Kubernetes tests. So the entire Kubernetes end-to-end runtime has to pass before we'd even consider merging your patch in. So we, our real goal, the biggest goal we have with Cryo is to be fully stay as stable as humanly possible for Kubernetes, and then to you know experiment on improving performance, improving scalability, things like that, but always with the goal of never breaking Kubernetes. Yeah, you know, Tyler, as I'm listening to that, you know, the, the, the thing that jumps out at me is, you know, and, and we've seen this with, with a lot of new technologies, but, you know, containers have moved really fast uh, the last few years, uh, which has been great. We've seen tons and tons of contributors. We've seen lots of companies getting involved. Customers are obviously excited about it. Um, but the, the challenge of, of all that speed is is you do have to figure out how do you how do you deal with stability at some point? You know, people get over a hump. And, and so it sounds to me like, you know, there's still options for people that, uh, you know, may be interested in in uh, kind of the Docker way of, of doing things. But this is an alternative approach, kind of a pluggable, composable approach uh, that is more focused on uh, sort of limited footprint in terms of, of stability in terms of security, but also, you know, very, very focused on stability. Is that kind of what you're hearing from, from Dan and Bruno? Yeah, yeah. I think the, um, yeah, the pluggable interface model in Kubernetes, you know, we, we've talked about before with both, not just for the runtimes, but the networking and, and storage and other places. Uh, so I think that that makes a lot of sense here. And, you know, as, you know, some of that intelligence moves from what was in the daemon up into the, uh, you know, to the Kubernetes orchestration layer, you, you're sometimes looking for a little more simplicity there in that layer. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in, you know, kind of, Obviously, it would seem pretty straightforward as far as like, hey, this is what this is what the interface allows for. So let's let's build a completely standards based uh, version to do this. What kind of problems do you see this? Uh, does this really attempt to solve for the ecosystem? Um, you know, what if if someone's you know, obviously, like you said it, it's still early days, but if, if people are looking at this, what 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 do you think would make them go like, oh, I, I really want to use this? Well, I mean, uh, number one is the stability. So, you know, again, that's our, our number one goal. But sec- secondarily, what we wanted to do is open up the ability to experiment at, at the lower levels so that, you know, we have lots of people contributing to cryo, but we also have people contributing into containers image and container storage. And we're looking for innovation um, sort of at the lower levels. So, you know, one of the things we'll be unveiling is it's in in cryo that we haven't really talked much about is the idea of uh, read-only images or images being able to be shared via network file systems as opposed to right now every time you uh, run a container or say Kubernetes goes off and launches uh, a container on 10 different machines so all those machines then have to download potentially gigabytes of data or of the image data down to the source so one of the things we want to do is allow for those images to be stored on network storage and, and not have to be downloaded so Kubernetes could instantaneously launch them. Other things we're looking at are around 
things like signing images and using simple GPG keys to sign in that's been put into a containers image. So Google announced last week some signing uh, infrastructure and trust relationships that they want to build, and they're looking at containers images potentially doing that. Uh, but a real interesting thing that we found is, you know, as we split the split apart the tools into different libraries and stuff, we're getting communities um, that aren't even involved with Kubernetes that are starting to contribute. So we have companies like Mesosphere looking at potentially using different libraries, and we have um, some of the web companies looking at using, you know, containers image for moving images around. So just getting innovation at different levels. Again, you know, not having to go through, you know, one single daemon product to get any any types of innovation in. We've also worked quite heavily with Intel. Uh, Intel has been pushing for clear Linux containers, which is, you know, it, almost everybody runs containers right now using uh, Run C as sort of a standard Linux container. So containers that just use, you know, namespaces and SE Linux and different types of security mechanisms for separation. But uh, and, uh, clear Linux container is actually taking advantage of KVM so that you can actually really get a better isolation. So you can take advantage of virtualization on, on hosts to give you better isolation. And one of the Innovative things that Intel has done is added to Kubernetes the const, you know, an annotation that allows um, the container runtimes to pick different uh, levels. So they created something called trusted and, and untrusted. So if you want to run un, what they call untrusted content, then you, it would allows the container runtime to pick uh, a clear Linux model to launch it. The basic idea is that you can specify the container you're running and specify what kind of isolation you need uh, to run it. So the, these are innovative things that we've seen coming into uh, Cryo at this point. Like as Dan mentioned, right, like just using Kubernetes annotations, we were able to extend Cryo and support mixed workloads. So like on the same node, you can have some of your containers uh, running Run-C and some others using clear containers. And this also touches on one another point. The O in Cryo stands for OCI. And the reason we are able to support both is because both Run-C and clear containers implement the OCI runtime interface. So Cryo doesn't uh, hard code to either Run-C or clear containers. Anything that is OCI compatible can be plugged into Cryo. So if tomorrow there's some other new, more efficient, more safe runtime that comes up, Cryo will be able to support it as long as it's OCI supported. And since you mentioned networking earlier, uh, for networking, we, are, we have been using CNI in Cryo, which has also become kind of a standard. So any CNI plugin that works with Cube today can be plugged into Cryo. And, and is the plan to sort of extend that to the to the concept of what they're calling CSI for, for storage interfaces as well? Is that the same way you'd think about storage for Cryo? For storage, right? Ultimately, at Cryo's level, it ends up just being a, a, a mount point. So I, I suspect that the logic won't really trickle down into, into Cryo. It'll be uh, on the Kubernetes side of Now, one of the things that is still a little bit unusual, uh, we, we had a chance to talk to um, uh, Chris Anishek, who's uh, a CTO for, for both uh, OCI as well as uh, the CNCF. And, you know, we sort of got into this discussion with him about saying, look, you know, OCI tends to be defining the standard for containers and, uh, you know, CNCF is providing governance around projects like Kubernetes. You know, there, there's sort of this somewhat clear delineation that, you know, part of it's doing orchestration, part of it's defining the, the container standard. Um, and then he said, well, but, but there was this thing that happened and there's some things in the governance um, and uh, there's a project called uh, Container D that ended up in the CNCF as opposed to being part of, of the OCI and the container standard. Can you guys give us at a, at a high level for somebody that, that 
maybe doesn't know all the ins and outs of, of Linux, what's the difference between, you know, the work going on with uh, kind of OCI slash cryo and, and this container D project that's, that's emerging as well? Yeah. So, uh, well, OCI is all about standards. So it's defining to me, the two major standards are, are, you know, what, when I build an application or build an application bundle and I store it at a container registry, you know, I, I want that, that bundle to be easily consumable by anybody. I actually have a talk where I talk about PDFs and talk about how we have to make containers into PDFs. And a lot of ways what I'm talking about is that bundle, that image bundle um, has to be standardized. The worst thing that could happen in the industry is to have you know, people have to package their application for uh, XYZ company differently than they have to package it for ABC company. Um, so we need to have, you know, what sits at a container registry um, be standardized. Um, and then, as, as Marlo said, the, the really critical thing, the other thing that OCI did is sort of standardize what it means to, how do you define uh, what you want run on the container image. So, you know, how do I define what environmental variables or what, what the entry point is or what capabilities or what kind of security separation or C groups config. And that had to be standardized also so that, you know, we could basically get to a, a ground floor where people could innovate at the um, real low-level runtime tools like RunC and Claire Linux. Uh, in between that is somewhat of a gray area. We decided with Cryo to put it as a Kubernetes incubator project, so basically build it as a Kubernetes, and Kubernetes is part of CNCF. After we started Cryo um, about a year ago, you know, a lot of our concepts of, of you know, getting the container runtime to handle the management of store, you know, the images and pulling and pushing. Docker decided to, I think, compete against Cryo. So about two months after we released Cryo and people started, uh, released the idea of Cryo, uh, Container D came on the scene. And Container D was originally a, a daemon for running um, Docker Swarm applications. So back around Docker uh, 1.12, 1.13 time, they created Container D for handling Swarm. So they decided to set that up as a separate daemon. And then after we, uh, after Cryo got announced last year, they just looked at what we did. I believe they looked at what we did at Cryo and they decided to pull some of the features out of the darker daemon, like the ability to pull and push images and put storage underneath Container D. And then they announced Container D would be an open source project that would um, allow people to run containers from different orchestrators. So they wanted it to be able to be run by Swarm, Kubernetes, uh, Mesosphere, and whoever else wanted to talk to it. So that started about, say, 10 months ago, and um, it's been continued to be developed. And now they've added another daemon in front of it called the CRI, CRI Container D daemon that a lot basically translates the Kubernetes protocol into something that then translated into the container D. So you end up with a three daemon system where you talk to Kubernetes, Kubernetes talks to this cry container D daemon, and then the cry container D daemon talks to container D, which ends up launching run C. And so it, it is a competitor against uh, cryo. Well, we see, again, the, the big difference for us is that we wanted something very simple. We didn't want to have big fat container demons running all over the place. Um, we wanted to dedicate it totally to Kubernetes. And, the, and in my opinion, the biggest thing is that container D is still a monolithic application. So if you want to do any innovation in containers, you still have to get patches into container D as opposed to being broken out into subcomponents um, like container storage and containers image. Now, our, our goal is to uh, move ahead with cryo um, and again as a dedicated source. Also 
one thing to think about when you're looking at these demons is, um, you know, can you, uh, you know, how do you, how do you interact with the storage? How do you interact with the images? So we didn't talk earlier since we've broken storage and image pulling and pushing separate from cryo. Um, you can actually do things without the cryo demon running, or you can do things while the cryo demon is running. So you can actually use other tools. We've developed some other tools like Scopio and Builder and the tools that, uh, called K-Pod that can all interact with the containers image and container storage and share the same storage as Cryo. So K-Pod is actually, uh, which potentially could be renamed, but right now K-Pod mimics the Docker CLI, uh, implementing most of what uh, you can do with Docker CLI, um, but with a container storage backend, no need for a daemon. Um, so we have the K-Pod PS, K-Pod image, K-Pod you know, RM, all, all the basic commands that you have in the Docker CLI, but they can interact totally with totally with Cryo. So you could use K-Pod to pull down a container's image before Kubernetes attempts to run it. You can, um, but more importantly, you can debug issues. So if you think about if you're running a Kubernetes on top of Docker front end um, and something goes wrong, you have to get onto the host and you're going to enter Docker commands to sort of try to diagnose what's going on uh, on the system. Um, so we built K-Pod to be able to do that, but K-Pod in some ways is different in that it doesn't talk to the daemon. It actually looks at what's happening behind the scenes. So it'll interact with the storage and the images and figure out, oh, am I running out of disk space? Oh, I can, the daemon's all locked up. Uh, maybe if I go in and remove some container images from the system, you know, I could free up the, the daemon to run. So this, this the ability to interact at the file system layer as opposed to always through the daemon is, is one of the core features. And that's something that container D has not, you know, implemented and, and up to this point is not interested in. Yeah. So uh, the, the bottom line is we uh, figure out the best way to do this and to be, again, dedicated to one Kubernetes, you know, to the Kubernetes runtime. Yeah, Tyler, I, I think, you know, the, the, the big takeaway I'm, I'm, I have from this is, you know, a lot of the focus of this is, is again, really about, um, you know, kind of having a, a more composable system uh, on one hand in terms of driving innovation, but at the same time, you know, being more focused on Kubernetes. Um, you know, we, we've seen even in the last few weeks just a, you know, a huge momentum around the industry, around Kubernetes, you know, uh, longtime companies who had supported other things are now supporting Kubernetes, uh, you know, Docker, Mesosphere, Oracle, uh, you know, so... Yeah, you know, I, I think the the focus around Kubernetes is is huge. The focus around trying to make it stable and secure is is very important. Um, and we we probably actually should have both these guys back on at some point to to talk about Builda and uh, Scopio and Kpod and stuff. We probably could have an entire show about all these new tools that are that are coming out to help interact with this space. I mean, I think that's the there's this usual you know kind of open source when there's a new kind of technology area that that comes onto the scene there's this explosion of you know a lot of redundant and overlapping tools and and things like that and everyone has their opinions on how to build things and then over time you see things start to coalesce behind you know specific approaches and obviously the orchestration layer that that's kubernetes i mean i mean i think of all the you know anyone you consider a major player in the space i think only one doesn't have a kubernetes offering now and pretty much everyone else has, has switched to that um i think I think the, the what I what I really you know picked out like you said besides the the you know need to decompose so that way more innovation can happen, um, but also the, the you know the, the strict focus on standards right so you know how much is on the OCI images the image spec run C so that way um, and I think I think Dan said kind of at the top of you know like if 
we don't want to care. You know, users don't want to care. Like we can't have two container formats or four container formats or anything like that. We just need to have really one. And I mean, basically, if you like, we've talked about in earlier shows when you're talking about you know a container being a, a file system and some JSON, like it really sh- there's really no reason not there to be a single standard so it's really good to see that focus on on standards yeah let me ask one last question guys and then we'll wrap it up and let you go um you know crio um this week just got to version 1.0 you know whenever things get to 1.0 people start saying okay time to start maybe using this what's uh what's the most immediate place that people will see availability of of cryo as a as a technology where 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 will we see it uh uh, you know what versions of Kubernetes or, or things like that? Uh, so, so the plan is to like follow Kubernetes version. So we'll shortly release a Cryo 1.8 that works with Cube 1.8. Our 1.0 is designed to work with Cube 1.7.x. But from now on, our versions will match the Kubernetes version. So there's no confusion to the users like which version of Cryo they should be using with which version of Kubernetes. And uh, the main goal is to add and support whatever Kubernetes upstream adds to the CRI interface and make sure it works well in cryo. Uh, one of the first places we're going to be putting it um, is to um, run it, start running it under OpenShift. Um, so obviously Red Hat runs a, you know, we have a huge Kubernetes uh, instance called OpenShift Online. And our plan right now is over the next month is to move OpenShift off of Docker for the container runtime um, and onto Cryo and basically get as much playing experience as possible. So one of the reasons we, you know, OpenShift right now is based on Kubernetes 1.3.7. And so we wanted, I mean, 1.7. It's also Kubernetes, uh, OpenShift 3.7, uh, but basically to you know get the experience of running it in large scale um, underneath OpenShift. And so we'll also be moving OpenShift Origin to on top of Cryo as an option. Um, people have also, uh, we have working versions of Minikube now. Um, I think there's been, uh, uh, Vincent Batts has recently released uh, a Minikube running on top of uh, Cryo. Um, and we're seeing other people uh, working on different different ways of running Kubernetes on top of of Cryo and and, and different spaces. So, uh, but I think the first major rollout is going to be uh, on OpenShift Online, which will get us to hundreds of thousands of users running on it, and it'll give us some real good experience on uh, how this thing performs in the wild. Right. Yeah, and I, and I know we've seen Kelsey Hightower is is uh, has added uh, Cryo at least as a, a component of his. Uh, Kubernetes the hard way, so people really want to dig into the guts of it. And um, it, I think the the one last thing I'll sort of throw out and make and, and sort of keep us honest with this, um, you know, when you when you talk about moving, uh, say, moving OpenShift Online to to Cryo, uh, you know, moving away from Docker, you're really talking about kind of the Kubernetes element um, that that then talks to talks to the container. So um, you, you you know, as an end user, you could still be bringing Docker containers, um, but in terms of what's happening with Kubernetes, it's no longer talking to those sort of specialized Docker bits. It's now talking to Cryo, and, and Cryo looks at a Docker image as, a, as an OCI-compliant image. Is that, is that correct? Those, those are OCI things at this point. So, yeah, OCI images are, are – but it, basically every image that sits at Docker I.O. Um, can you know, run under Cryo as well as it can run under Docker. And and when we talk about moving away from Docker, when we talked earlier about Container D, even even Docker at this point is is admitting that Docker is not a appropriate uh, daemon for running Kubernetes workloads. So when they you know they need a more uh, 
isolated container orchestrator, and that's why container D and cryo. So I think in the future, I don't think Kubernetes is ever going to run on top of a Docker daemon beyond um, uh, 1.13. So um, in the future, it's going to be running on different types of more dedicated container runtimes, you know, CRI-based container runtimes. Yeah. Well, guys, listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, for the conversation. A lot of in-depth stuff there, folks. We will have a bunch of links in the show notes. So uh, as you're trying to learn this, um, you'll have more details to go back and, and dig through. But uh, Dan and, and Monroe, thank you so much for the time today and uh, and for all the hard work and, and pulling CRIO together. Uh, Tyler, any last thoughts before we wrap it up for the day? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's 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 this is all good news for the community, right? You know, the the containers have made the uh, you know. The, the the concept has been big, um, but the actual running of the container is developing into just an implementation detail, which I think is a good thing, right? That means it's it's a stable um, approach and and becoming very mainstream. So why not have it? It should just be an implementation detail, and and I think this is this is um, you know kind of some evidence we're heading in that direction. Yep. Well, guys, thanks again for this. Uh, folks, uh, hope you enjoyed it. As always, give us some feedback about uh, what you want to hear next from us. Uh, feel free to rate the show out on iTunes and Google Play and all the other places, and uh, we will talk to you next week.